everyone. This is Dr. Anna Kabeca. I'm here with my lovely guest, Christina Wise. We are going to be sharing with you on my Couch Talk in an intimate, shameless, guiltless fashion, the wealthy and wise money secrets um, with my special guest here and all of you. So glad to have you here tonight. Today we are going to talk about something we've all experienced. For example, a well-meaning friend tells us that we need to relax because stress can kill you. As annoying as this advice may be, it's also entirely true. So this week on Couch Talk, I have a special guest, Christina Wise. Christina has, like many of us, had the stress of many issues in our life and money being one of the most stressful things in her life. And, And she states that it nearly killed her. She transformed her relationship with money transforming her health and her life in the process. I witnessed Christina's illness firsthand and helped her finally get to the root of her illness. In return, she helped me understand the role that finances can play in over our health. So our conversation today will help you grow your wealth, protect your health, and live your good life. As Christina's uh, name brand is the Good Life Team, it's awesome to have you here tonight with us, Christina. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you. Well, let me tell our listeners about um, Christina. Christina Wise is the dynamic, is the dynamo and the dynamite behind Good Life Company, which is an Austin-based real estate brokerage and technology training company. She holds a prominent role in the real estate industry for her innovative leadership and technological savvy which is demonstrated in her, in her stewardship of her own companies as well as numerous keynote addresses. Her reach extends beyond the real estate industry with companies like Apple and Evernote seeking her expertise. A serious illness forced her to reevaluate, inspiring her to expand her passion beyond real estate and help people, especially women, learn to love money and use it to live a happy, fulfilling, and financially free life. To this end, she wrote her book, Falling for Money, and built her new brand, Christina.com, spelled with two S's. So, Christina, it's awesome to have you here, and uh, really, really, in so many ways, personally, professionally, a pleasure and an honor to be here with you, celebrating your victory with your Amazon, you know, your Amazon best-selling book, Falling for Money. Well, thank you. It's 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 actually a, a a time for me right now. This this last week or so has been very reflective, and because you were with me last year, this time last year, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I was very sick. I was uh, desperate, and to think 12 months later that I'm on the healthy side of the equation and am lucky where it was able to, with a lot of help, uh, turn my situation around from, from you know, dire illness to now I feel very healthy. <laughs> so, yeah, this, it's been about right about a year when I was probably at my very bottom. It, it's, it's my worst, um, my worst moment. And you were there with me, Anna. I do wish to thank you publicly. I know I have privately, but mm. going through last year, I, I really, you know, it was that near-death experience for me. <clears throat> and I really believe I'm alive today because of a few people. There were just a few people that, that I really <laughs> believe saved my life. And you're one of those. And, and I, you know, I think I, I really do. I owe you my life. And I mentioned you in my book. I don't know if you picked up on that, but you are the one that found the source of my illness. That had you not found it, uh, I, I don't think I'd be here. It was um, just too severe. And you know, you, you listened. You worked with me. You were there on the receiving end. And um, you're, you're just a gift to this world uh, for doing the work that you do. So thank you. I want to say that publicly, not just privately. Oh, Christina, thank you. And really, like, you're bringing me to tears because I think how God worked miraculously to introduce us into each other's lives, seriously. I mean, a few months before, you know, really, I had been at a at a point um, where we met in Turks and Caicos, right? Parrot K. Yes. Our paths crossed. I mean, you're from Austin, Texas. I'm from St. Simons Island, Georgia, and was there with a dear friend of mine. And, 
And I was at a point in my life where I was reevaluating my life at that point and my purpose and, and God's purpose for me and in me at that time. And, and I ran into you and your awesome, darling husband and just how amazing your energy and strength shone through and determination. And, and then it was awesome to be, you know, to be available for you and just to be with you. And as we got to, look for the underlying underlying issues that brought through the you know avalanche of emotions and um the situation that you know brought brought us together again um i think that's so true and and really and we're you know we're not alone in this christina i think you know as, as well as i know the more people we share these messages with the stress connection and disconnection um that you know we're not alone that so many of us get to this point and you know our our, our past catches up with us the mm-hmm. things we've so um you know try to we've we've buried or or smothered within us can sometimes just accumulate to explode and I'd love you to you know to share um a little bit more of your your journey with us and with my Couch Talk listeners <laughs> as much as you feel comfortable with because, you know, our stories, you know, I always say that God gives us our path, our journey, our story, and through this we inspire, inform, help heal the hearts of so many others. Yeah, well, my my crash, I call it my crash, my, cla- my crash last year, I call my year 2013, I just... I lost a year of my life, pretty much. I'm thinking, oh, really? Has it been that long? Like two years ago? Then I realized, oh, yeah, I lost a year. But uh, um, for me, my my crash was a series of things. It was really a perfect storm of of so many things that 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 came together at the same time. And uh, again, I just crashed and. And one of those was uh, the the physical illness part of my my crash was that you found was a serious case of heavy metal poisoning of very rare metals so much we didn't even know what they were and the levels were mm-hmm. so high that um, you know Anna Dr Anna she didn't even know what to do none of nobody did because it was just this unusual um, situation that you nor any of your colleagues had really seen before so. That uh, the heavy metal poisoning did obviously a lot of damage. It messes with neurotransmitters. It, it inflames the brain. It um, messes up all the body chemicals and uh, uh, hormones, and just wreaks havoc on on a body. And one of the heavy metals that I have is called a murder drug because apparently uh, it's been known to to you know that people would use to to kill other people. Uh, without them knowing it, it, you know, it's just in the system would be very hard to find. So it's it's deadly, and I had deadly levels. So that that was the physical illness, uh, but it was also that happened. But it also was a combination of uh, before my crash, I lived a very intense, stressful life, and I didn't really feel stressed at the time. But looking back, I which I tried to be perfect at everything. I was very outward focused and ambitious and driven and determined and tried to be the perfect mother and the perfect wife and the perfect CEO and the perfect leader and, and, you know, all the status and fame and glory and just, and nothing was ever enough. And I was just always pushing myself and my heart rate goes up just talking about it. Um, and, you know, so even if it weren't for the heavy metal poisoning, um, I believe I would have had some level of crash just because it was too much. And for me, you know, part of my recovery and treatment this last year was was working on not having to be perfect, was working on letting the need go of trying to have to excel in every category of, li- of life at every minute of every second of every day and, and be just more present and just be okay doing my best and realize that my value is because of who I am, not because of what I do. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm any less ambitious today. It just means it's not... It's not how I value myself anymore, and in that way, I'm not driven by these external forces, and and I'm very much more in tune now with with my body and my health. And you know, my lifestyle nearly killed me, and so it's you know, it's, it's just like you say, the stress thing is real. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, and then the other piece for me is that once my body broke down the way, you know, but due to the poisonings and the stress, I got I got stuck in almost this permanent state of fight or flight, and I was on the verge of panic attacks if I would feel any sensation in my body. And then I found myself in this intense state of severe depression and massive intense anxiety at the same time. And and I had in my career, I'd had you know certain flare-ups probably with anxiety just based on my lifestyle, but never depression, and certainly nothing at both those levels at the same time. So needless to say, I was a complete and utter wreck. And I was I was stuck in this place of complete darkness and hell and desperate. And every day was a living hell. I mean, I just didn't know how I would make it. And and it was hard. <laughs> I don't even like to really think about it because it was so awful. I, to this day, I don't know how I made it through other than just trying to get through each day. But once we, you know, started learning a few different things, I didn't know if I'd ever recover. And, you know, I got to the place where I almost had lost hope. I I had one, I guess I must have had one thread of hope in me, uh, but it was it was frazzled. It was coming apart pretty quickly. So between the physical health side and then just reaching the place of mental darkness at the same time, I was dying physically and like mentally, psychologically, and I couldn't think, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't do, I couldn't be. I was stuck in this terrified fear of, you know, Horror, I guess I don't even know. I know I might be making it sound bad, but it was even worse than I can make it sound. So, um, you know, from there, I actually I went to a psychiatrist because I was really trying to do this a very holistic way and go through all of the, um, you know, just a very holistic healing process. And I think, you know, I did really well. I didn't want to get on, you know, at the time I was opposed to any sort of medication and things. And, you know, I'm much more open to that now. But I went to a psychiatrist and. I finally, I just had enough, and I went to her and I said, I don't care what you have to do, just give me medication. <laughs> I mean, I'm so, just load me up. I don't care if you have to put an R in, an IV in me to knock me out worth whatever. And this was, I'm going through chelation treatments. I'm, I'm, you know, going to having IVs in me, trying to get these metals out, and I'm doing all this crazy stuff, and I'm taking mounds of medicine, you know, supplements and crazy things to try to, again, work these poisonings out of my system once I found it. But I go to the psychiatrist and I'm, you know, in this desperate state and talk to her and she basically says, well, she basically said, she looks at me and she said, Christina, I can't help you. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't help me? Like somebody's got to help me. And she said, no, I can't help you. Like I can give you a medication, but it's, it's not enough. Like this, you're in a place of PTSD and um, you need full-time help. So it was that was horrible because I thought here was this mentally strong, successful, ambitious national leader, all this, these awards and um, accolades and, you know, how could it be me of all people that would need to go get some treatment somewhere? And um, I just was so ashamed and so just disgusted with myself and, and just felt like this pathetic human being again, because I was just on this, this pedestal really that I'd put myself on because I had all this, attention, national awards, and so on and so forth, and so yeah, I, I um, was so embarrassed and, and again, just disgusted with myself to think that I needed to go away, but I went away to this beautiful place in LA in Bel Air, and it ended up being um, 60 days of what I call the ultimate personal development. You know, I've spent a, a fortune over my, you know, my my life on you know, just any sort of knowledge and education. I'm, I'm very much a seeker of of knowledge and learning and, you know, just curious. And that's all, that's just built in my DNA. Um, so, and I've taken, you know, in that in that quest for, for knowledge and growth, I've taken lots of personal development, read every book and self-help book, you know, and a number one bestsellers and gone to all the personal development conferences. But when I went away for what I call my treatment and recovery to this beautiful facility in Bel Air with the best therapist in the world, like leaders in their fields with all these different traditional therapies and, and new age therapies and Eastern therapies, you know, East meets West almost, that I just had this amazing experience of transformation of going in completely desperate on the verge of suicide on the verge of mental and physical death, 
um, to a place where I came out 60 days later, a new person, like really almost like a reborn experience, as silly as that may sound, where mm-hmm. uh, I just worked through so much of the stress and all these things. And then I became very proud of where I went in so embarrassed that I was there. Now I just realized it was such a gift from God that I got this opportunity to to learn and discover and clean out you know, so many of the skeletons and all that shame and horror that I'd carried from a lot of trauma from my younger years. And, and it ended up being this great thing. So, you know, that, um, that I, I went away for treatment. And, you know, before I'd been very judgmental, I would have thought, oh, somebody that has depression or can't handle stress or has anxiety needs to just pull up their bootstraps and get it together. And, you know, it's just such a, it's just so much arrogance wrapped in that. But I didn't, you know, and so much, just all the stigma that it's attached to that. And what I realized is, you know, oh my gosh, you know, so many of us struggle with these different things or we, our life is out of balance and, or we just, you know, we're, we're stuck in an unhealthy, you know, life cycle or something. And, you know, we all have our struggles and life is life. And, you know, so I've just, now I'm just very sensitive to and empathetic and understanding that we all have different things we're working through and it's okay. And I, I, you know, I really, want to now do my work to, you know, if I can, to tell my story, because before I went into treatment, I've, you know, been very successful, and, you know, I just wrote my book, and I'm having a different kind of success now as we're, you know, kind of this next phase of life that I have, and, you know, I want to tell my story as as I move forward, because if I can, I want to break down some of the stigma. We all have our stuff, but we're all working to be better, to be healthier, and I think the only way we can do that is to talk about it. So yeah, that's that's sort of the short version of of my 2013. Uh, yeah, and I know how I mean metamorphosizing that is, right? I don't know if that's a word, but it's it's a metamorphosis, right? And you you went in, you know, with all the drudgery that you were carrying with you under the years, the stresses, the high performance expectations, mm-hmm. and um, and, and also the self need to prove you know what everything we do like as as a woman wearing multiple hats right mother mm-hmm. uh researcher businesswoman wife you know and and uh, example and mentor and leader right all these hats of really high performance in every level right and i would say you know that we can have it all just not at the same time so we need to rebuild the expectations we have for ourselves and have that balance so going into that state and this time, this transition of life, right, which which for you, for me, was a perfect storm of, of events, past, present, future, coming together mm-hmm. to, to you know, take us out, basically, to, to, to say, okay, you know, you've learned these life lessons. Now this transformation, now we go through this transformation, reevaluate, you know, like, Christina, I only want you to be happy. I want you to be happy, joyful, balanced, at peace with the beauty of who you are and how you're living each day. And I have no other expectation from you other than that. Mm-hmm. And with and and with that and with that, you know, that with that purpose that's with for everyone listening to our call tonight, that purpose is for each and every one of us. And um and so in this this transition, I think what's beautiful as I as I witness you before, during and after and and just honestly hold you in such high esteem and just admire you for your courage and your honesty and vulnerability in 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 throughout all of this and where you are here today and, and being able to share this with us. So Christina, you know, I'm like a big with PTSD myself. It's one of the things Christina and I we we have many things in common, but one of the things that we definitely have in common is post traumatic stress. Post-traumatic stress disorder, post-traumatic stress trauma, 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 trauma. You know, what I mean that that is um, is part of us. And you know, the high performers in us tend mm-hmm. to say, "Okay, done, past." Versus sometimes you can't go over it, you can't go under it. You have to go through it. Right. And, <laughs> right. And that's and that's the stage that sometimes hits us face on with like, but. But so with PTSD and stress in general, and there's everyday stress, Christina. You and I have uh, virtually sat over coffee and talked about this. And um, the the virtual stress that we have every day that triggers the, 
you know, the the news of, of shootings, God, you know, God help those families, the, you know, uh, video, movies, et cetera, uh, you know, commercials, news. I mean, those are big, huge stress triggers. And money and finances is a huge stress trigger. I mean, we know so many, especially during the recession and people have lost their homes, their businesses, their corporations, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, struggling, getting further and further in debt. And, and you know, to all my listeners, normally we're talking about, a, you know, a significant health-related topics, and, and this issue of money ties right into our health and overall well-being. So, Christina, you've lived this firsthand, and there's so many of us listening, women and men, you know, mothers, fathers, raising families, working. How do we handle the stress of the stress? you know, the stress of finances and the worry and fear mm-hmm. of not having enough that drives us to excess sometimes. Like, remember I had enough 10 years ago. What, you know, you know, what, what's, what's enough enough? And, um, and how do we handle that, that financial stress and that stress? And then tell me what brought you to writing this awesome book. It's a, it's a fun story for me The you know, to, to uh, add on to what you said, that when in writing the book and and you know doing the research that I did, I you know I look I I, st- I found I when and, and during my research I came across a lot of statistics as you can imagine, and so many of them are like w- when I thought about them I thought holy cow I mean these these stats have a lot of meaning or they really tell a story, but one of the statistics is 48% of Americans. Um, Note that finances, their money situation is their number one stressor in life. So you think over half the population, or almost half the population, 48%, that's their number one stressor, and it's a big stressor. It's in uh, marriages, the, it's the primary, it's the number one thing that mar- that um, couples fight about is money. So we, and so it puts stress on the marriage. So in terms of stress, money is a big stressor. And and very much so. And some other statistics that that are you know pretty staggering is that uh, 75% of people don't like talking about money, especially in um, in family situations, and most and especially women. And um, just one in ten Americans have a financial plan in place. So there's there's these are some pretty amazing numbers, and then debt is a big part of our American culture too. So what is really becomes a stressor in life is that is is debt when that debt keeps growing, and 60% of Americans can't pay off their credit card each month. And these are just numbers. I really want to start the money conversation. Yeah, of Americans don't they, they don't pay off their credit cards each month. They don't because they can't. And the average balance is $9,000. So, you know, I I don't really like mentioning some of these numbers because in, you know, part of my mission is to start a conversation about money. And I don't want people to feel guilty about it or shameful. You know, nobody has money figured out. Money's not something we learn in school, especially as women. You know, you know, sometimes financial advice gets passed down generations from, from father to son, but very rarely from father to daughter. Uh, if it gets passed down at all, but usually we learn our, you know, our money practices or, or um, uh, beliefs from our parents, and they aren't necessarily healthy, you know, healthy habits. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the thing is, is money's not, it's just not talked about, and and so, and it's not understood because it's not because it's not talked about because it's not part of our education. So, what that means is none of us have really figured money out, and you know, the few of us that do. It usually comes after some work, and but it's hard to talk about, especially if we feel guilt or shame, or you know, we all think that everybody else is doing better than we are, and and you know, that's not necessarily the case. So you know, again, my passion comes, you know, my my passion is to to puncture some of that, just make money. The thing about money, money is rarely about money. Money is about all these other things that we make money. <laughs> Either people think money's greed, or you know, they don't have enough, or too much is bad, or or you know who knows you know, we feel shame that we have too much or guilt or we all these different emotions so money usually is an emotional feeling it's very just about money money is a tool money is an exchange 
money is, you know, I give you money in exchange for something you give me in return. So it's just an instrument of marketplace of exchange. You know, back before there was currency as money, meaning cash and, you know, bills and, and coins, you know, I, if you had chickens and I had cows, that would be our money. We, we would trade with what we, what we had. Um, so money's always been in existence. It's how we exchange, but, but currency makes it very easy to exchange in the marketplace. But we've, we've, again, we've established all these different feelings about it. So my story is, um, uh, you know, I grew up very poor and a very traumatic childhood, as I mentioned, and, and poverty was a big piece of that. I just grew up in a very poor small town, poor parents. Uh, we didn't have much food. Um, you know, when I went to school, I got laughed at because I wore high waters. You know, I, I um, wore the same bra for years. I'd outgrown, but we couldn't afford, for, you know, and I was embarrassed. And, you know, so just uh, really, you know, pretty bad poverty. Um, got a very poor education. <laughs> then, you know, somehow I, I was decided, you know, I was the first not only to go to college in my entire family, but I was the first one, but my family thought I was crazy to go to college. You know, it wasn't even like they were like encouraging me to be the first one or so proud. They're like, why would you go to college sort of thing? So, but I did, and that was my way out, so to speak. And so I knew that when I got out of that small town in that situation, like I vowed to myself that I do not want to be poor. <laughs> I want to make lots and lots and lots and lots of money. Um, so my situation caused me to want to make a lot of money and to get out of that situation. And I wanted something bigger and better than that small town. And so I went after that and I studied accounting and finance in, in school. A lot of my friends, you know, they thought studying business was crazy. And then my business friends, they chose marketing and different things. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm like, no, dude, I'm going straight for the green stuff. I'm going to learn about money. So I studied money, but the funny thing is, is that even though I had a, a degree in accounting and finance, I uh, double major, in fact, um, and did great, did really well in school and got scholarships and paid my own way and did that sort of thing. What uh, what I didn't realize is I still really didn't learn anything about money. I could I could build a badass spreadsheet and do all these performas on Excel, you know, and the crazy things, but I really didn't know anything about money. And you know, I did my did what I did after college and. You know, when my I finally got married and had, you know, had children and my husband and I fought all the time about money. We had very different uh, just uh, philosophies about money and it, it was our number one thing we argued about. I mean, we argued and argued and argued over money and um, neither one of us understood it. We were both dysfunctional about it, but it, it was really the the reason why we got divorced i mean the the marriage probably wasn't meant to be anyway but it was certainly the just the thing that, that tore us apart that we just you know wanted to kill each other um so that you know that marriage didn't work and again i think money played a big part but what happened is got divorced and all of a sudden i'm i'm found myself in a situation where i'm divorced i have all this debt we have IRS liens because I lived this lifestyle of, oh, I made all this money, but with all that money, I acquired a lot of stuff. And with all that stuff, I acquired a lot of debt. And then I forgot to pay the IRS because I didn't know you had to do that. And, you know, I mean, just this craziness. So then all of a sudden, I, I, know you know, exactly I wake up one day. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So I wake up one day after making all this, make, you know, I made more money than in a year than my entire family combined would make their entire lifetime. And, I was rolling it in and big houses and fancy cars and I thought, you know, it's the American dream and I, you know, just, I was young and naive but arrogant and I just thought I was so smart and, and I just didn't know anything and so then all of a sudden I wake up one day, didn't quite happen like that, but I wake up and I'm divorced, I have two kids and I have to borrow money from friends to pay my light bill. So I'd gone from poor to where I thought I had a lot of money, but the truth of the matter is I had a high income, but I called myself, I call myself who I was then, a high income poor person, because even though I made a lot of money, I spent it all and got debt in order to get the toys, so that when the income went away or the situation changed, I was dead broke. But I found myself the second time that once I realized, it's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm in worse shape than I was with my parents, because growing up, at least, we were poor, but we didn't have debt. So... We were cash poor, but we weren't debt poor because we couldn't get debt back then. 
Um, so me, not only did I was well, not to the degree me. that we can get in it now, you know, yeah, so not to the degree had, the bank will loan us and everything else. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I had student loan debt, and like I said, I had IRS liens, I had credit card debt, and the market had changed. So I, you know, the houses weren't worth with all the stuff, and you know, you don't make money on cars. So <laughs> I was in desperate bad shape, and. You know, and I've been on a single mom with two babies to feed. And I just, you know, I just, it was at that moment where I realized, like, you know what? I don't know anything about this money thing, and I'm going to go figure it out. So, you know, I really went on a decade of, um, again, of learning uh, from gurus, from I read every money book. I, I studied under teachers of money. I, I mentored under, you know, self-made millionaires, multimillionaires, and just really hungry to learn not from this arrogant place necessarily before of just I, I just wanted to make money. I wanted to be the opposite of poor, of, of living in poverty, but a place of really wanting to understand it. And so, you know, that was a decade of that. And through that decade, I, I changed my situation from being bankrupt and in a lot of debt with IRS liens and a single mom of two kids and not able to pay the light bills to really learning these financial habits and practices. And so now we fast forward and, um, you know, I'm remarried to, you know, the amazing guy that you met, um, Gary. And, you know, he and I, we have, we talked a lot about money before we got married. So it was, that was a very important to me was to make sure that I, I had those conversations and that we had similar money philosophies. And, and we did. And so we did a lot of money planning before we got married. And now our marriage, a big part of it has been, it's been, you know, we've learned a lot as we've, you know, grown together and we've certainly had our number of fights over money, don't get me wrong, but, but we're always, you know, we're always, we're on the same path. We're in agreement of where we want to go and how we want to get there. And, and so how the book came to, to fruition or, you know, where it became real is that so, as you all know now, 2013 was a pretty rough year and, and, you know, Gary and I, we had a business and it was making us money and we're lucky that we're able to leave the business while I was sick because I couldn't work. I was incapacitated and Gary became a full-time caretaker. So we were both completely out of the business and, you know, we're lucky, number one, to have a business that paid us while we were on leave. Um, but when we came back, once, once I actually made it through my illness and and I came back, and we're, what, happened, what Gary and I have is we have a practice that every single November, right after Thanksgiving, we go away for a three-day weekend, and we call it our marriage retreat. And we've done this since we were engaged, and we've done it every year since then. And we go on quarterly retreats, money retreats too, which are much smaller, but this is our big planning retreat. And again, we do it every year. So at the end of 2013, this was actually December this time, Gary and I go away and do our three-day retreat, and, you know, we have a lot to be grateful for this this last year, right? I made it through the illness, um, these different things, but then we got we did our money part, and what part of that is is we reconcile all of our expenses. We look at how we did with our goals, with our financial situation, with our marriage, with our kids, blah, 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 and we had this holy shit moment of when we, when we looked at all the numbers because we were just trying to make it through day-to-day -day last year. We weren't on top of our finances like we normally are. We were just, and we were spending money, just throwing money, away, you know, around just to try to get well. Like money, money, nothing mattered other than getting healthy at that point. So we're reconciling things, and what we realized is that for me to get well, it cost us over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, not covered by insurance, and that was having access to doctors like you. Uh, um, um, Anna, and you know, you're not cheap. <laughs> so. Um, but it's because you're best in the world, and I was fortunate that I was able to afford doctors like you, and not just you, but others. And the treatment facility I went, you know, went away to was ninety thousand dollars a month. And you know, these different things that that we were just writing checks to do this to get well. But once we reconciled it, we're like, oh my gosh! And so, granted, we we certainly depleted all of our extra cash and all of our savings accounts, and you know, we're not we're not rich by any means if you know like when you think of really rich people but we've been financially prudent we've been on our practices we we don't have debt we save we invest and we have our we have our um emergency funds and you know we we put money aside and you know we've made it through good times and we've made it through some really lean times but we've always been very diligent about our practices and you know we've really worked to live below our means and 
you know, that's just our financial philosophy that we've agreed to in our marriage. But really, again, when I, you know, I don't mean to sound dramatic when I say these things. I really do mean them, um, not in a dramatic sense, but in a real sense that, you know, having, because of the money practices that, that we've had, that saved my life too, because I was able to afford the best health care and to get to the bottom of what it, what it costs. And I just realized at that moment, like, oh my gosh, like money really does matter when it comes to health. And especially when it comes to health, to, to be able to afford things, to be able to get away and, and, and take time off the grid in order to, to, you know, uh, de-stress in order to have access to the best health care, in order to, you know, go to a spa every once in a while or a vacation or these different things. Money really is a part of that. But as long as we have a stigma around this conversation around money, I think, you know, it, it gets in our way of being able to set ourselves up for a situation. You know, I don't want anybody to go what I, what I went through, but because we did have the rainy day fund, we were able to make it through a really horrific year. Um, and so it came to that point where, how the, again, this is a long story, I'm going to wrap it up, but uh, I was sitting down and I was actually going to write a blog article about our, you know, the end of the year and what I was grateful for and, and just something, write something a little bit about this aha with the money thing. And I was trying to think of how to do that. So I, sat, I just sat down really to start writing a blog article and it's just one of those divine interventions or divine things that happen. And all of a sudden I kept typing and I kept typing and I kept typing and then one day and two day and three day and seven days. And I came, I was like, you know what? I think I have a book in me because this is just coming out. So I didn't, I didn't intend Anna to write this book about money. It's not like it's never, it's never been on my list of things to do ever in my career. I didn't even think I'd ever write a book. Um, so it just, it just happened. And then I realized like, you know, I have a story to tell and I want to help people if I can. And, and I want to inspire and let especially other women know that, you know, we all go through these things, but we can make it through. And, you know, I know a lot more about stress and health and taking care of myself. And I think I can, you know, share a lot there and recovery and, and really, again, when it comes to this money conversation that, you know, when we get over the emotions of it, money matters. And, and I'm very inspired to talk to women, especially women, men too, but especially women, because women don't talk about money. Women aren't comfortable talking about money. I'm generalizing, but, you know, the, the statistics, you know, the statistics tell this to be the truth. Um, even if we make 50000 or 500000 we're it's a shy conversation. We don't feel confident, and, and, and understandably so, because we're not really taught, even if we work hard and we make incomes, you know, there's other a couple of other statistics. There's a statistic that I think 46% of women, single women, believe that if they're ambitious and and around money and um, business and career, that they'll be less attractive to men and be intimidating. So, you know, women, single women, believe the money conversation might get in their way of getting married, and that 51% um, of women, ambitious women, are are afraid of being alienated by other women if they talk about money. And, and business and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think for me, I just, I, I want this, I just want to open up the conversation. No judgment. Like, like I said, we've all, I've certainly, I've don't, I don't have money figured out either, but I certainly have some really strong practices and philosophies and I've studied it like hell and I've studied under some of the best and brightest and I think I have a lot to share and, and I just want us all to feel comfortable and more confident. And so in my book, that's, I, I talk about a little bit about my story, not much, not what I just shared, uh, but talk about the journey and the, the understanding. And, and I leave the reader with um, distinctions about money. I leave the reader with um, a journey of how to change a situation and really practical step-by-step -step instructions of, you know, you start here and this is what a budget is or a money map and, and these are the different practices you can be in and just make it very approachable and easy. And, you know, what I want everyone to know is if I've been able to do it, anybody can. It's just, it's a discipline. It's like exercise. Um, you know, you, it's something you don't necessarily want to do, but in order to be financially healthy, you know, to be physically healthy, you know, we, we need to watch what we eat, you know, to make sure we have a, have a healthy diet and we need to exercise. And to be financially healthy, we need certain financial, you know, practices and philosophies about money in order to have financial health. Um, yeah. which without financial wealth, you, it's hard to have, you know, financial wealth. 
Yeah, I think that is, and that's really a good way to say it, financial health. You need financial health in order to have financial wealth, and that these are disciplines and practices that we need to incorporate right now, no matter what burden of um, debt we're under or what um, luxury of excess that we have. But there were a couple of key points that you said, you know, that we can have a stigma about um about our earnings, about our self-worth, either related to our earnings or that our earnings reflect our self-worth. And we can also have a um, a stigma about, um, you know, about the, the money we do have, like, oh, I shouldn't be earning this much or I shouldn't be charging this much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there there's time value. And, and for me, it's it's been, I mean, I've dealt with that a lot my first year out of uh, residency into my um, medical practice, which I called my mission. I was a National Health Service Corps scholar. I made less than I went into med school making, right? So there was a sense that I, I didn't want to charge anyone for anything. And then someone said, you know, this is for your children's education, so don't think about this as you in exchange, and um, there's value in that we have value for our advice and information, right? And so now I'm at a supply versus demand situation, Christina, and and my big thing is to teach other physicians to do what I have learned to do through personal and professional trials and tribulations, right? And so I think there's there's that, and and I dealt with that for a long, long time, and and this you know this stigma of like I don't even want to charge versus you know, what my, you know, what time, what time versus money is worth, right? And time is so valuable um, in our lives. And that's something that we never get back, right? I would love for you to share your key strategies to grow our wealth and protect our, protect our wealth too, because that's a really important point as we've seen it like go through, um, if people go through that, that amount of wealth and, um and, you know, just an emphasis on, like, for me as well as you, that how much we give back, give back into our into our um, charities, into, like, my foundation, mm-hmm. Gary Bivens Foundation, and giving back into the community, that that's a huge part of wealth and financial health as well. And, um, yeah, so I totally need the strategies because I honestly can't balance a checkbook anymore. <laughs> that's been an issue. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like anything. It really is a discipline. You know, there's a couple things. I, I, I really... I, I certainly put my heart and soul in the book, but I really did write it to to give uh, the reader the the action items, like to tell the reader exactly what I've done that's worked and exactly what they can do. And again, it's 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 work that I've studied over over a decade. But there's a few and things. I do wanna, I, Christine, I do want to tell our listeners now too that you know we have given them a, a free chapter of your book. On oh, our great. Couch Talk um, login page, and if uh, make sure everyone has signed in on my Couch Talk website, because if you've signed into Couch Talk on KebecaHealth.com forward slash Couch Talk, you will um, get a replay of our talk tonight, which uh, we'd love for you to share, and also the um, link to your um, free book chapter. And that is also on our Couch Talk landing page where they can get that right now. And that Christina's book is available on Amazon. So I want to make sure that and, – and on your website, too, uh, information is available on your website, Christina.com, K-R-I-S-S-T-I-N-A.com. So I want all our listeners to make sure they have access. All right, girl, give me my mm-hmm. tip. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. And uh, once you read the book, let me know any questions you have. But there are a few things that I think are important that I like to point out uh, that I talk a little bit about in the book. But number one, something that's not – number one is that in order to, to become financially healthy and wealthy, it's important that we get comfortable talking about money. So that's, that, that's where I want to start the conversation. So I challenge everyone on the call is, is to find someone tomorrow and just say, hey, let's talk about money and just feel really uncomfortable but to just start, just start, just just ask somebody random and just see what happens. And and because once we get comfortable with it, it's going to be much easier to to be able to take control over it. Another thing that that's really important for us to keep in mind is is that there are only two sources of income, and there's people at work, which is working income. So that means we go to work and we earn income. The only other kind of income is money at work. So there's people at work and money at work. 
And money at work is passive income. So we're in the state of working income or passive income. Now that's great. So when we're in our working years and we work income, that's, that works for us. But what we have to plan for during working years is the time when we're no longer working. Where does the money come from? And so that's why understanding money and having a conversation about saving and investing and understanding debt and understanding how much money we're paying towards debt and just these different principles that once we understand and really um, hold on to the fact that at some point that when we stop working, our money has to work for us. And the money at work are assets. The money at work is our net worth, is our true financial wealth that if I quit working today, how much money could I, would my assets throw off? So how wealthy you are, really the way to think about that is net worth, I think about it in terms of income. If you had to quit working today, how much money would you earn from your money, <laughs> from your assets? And if the, if the answer is nothing, then what you would be left with is to probably, if you don't have family money, would be left with some sort of government help. And that's probably not the, the life we want. So that's a big part of just the challenge and in part of having a conversation is remember that we're, during our working years, we want to use our working income not only to fund the cost of our life today, but to build that asset base and put that money at work that starts growing using this thing called compound interest, which Albert Einstein uh, said was the eighth wonder of the world, and I totally agree with that. But so that at some point when we wish to quit working so hard for income or a body like mine last year forces us to quit working for income, we have money at work. Um, so that's, that's a big thing to think of. And then uh, I break the book down. Another part that uh, I, I think is really important is, is what is a definition of wealth and, and how and what that it's a philosophical conversation that I, that I ask you to, at the beginning of the book, to ask yourself and to write this down, is how much money is enough? So I don't think it's something that most of us think about, meaning we're working and we, you know, the answer is typically always more because what I'm doing now is not enough and, and more is not the right answer. So it's actually taking time and I give a, I give a worksheet in the book to do this, but how much money is enough? Like how much really is enough? Because when we know how much is enough, like what we're working towards for to fund the cost of our life today and that same funding of our lifestyle when we retire in the future, because most of us, I don't think, want to go backwards. You know, when we want to live, you know, worse off when we quit working. We, we really want to retire, you know, better off if we can. So um, what, you know, how much is enough? How much income is enough to fund my lifestyle that I want today? Am I earning enough money to fund my lifestyle today? That's great. Then the second part of that is, am I funding, am I making enough, you know, is, is the cost of my lifestyle today, am I earning enough, for example, to do that and to put extra aside to save and invest for, for that future? But, um, so that's just it. And how you get to that number is to, to quantify it. Like, distinguish what is a good life for me? You know, and it's different, it's, a good life is different for different people. So a good life to me for my lifestyle might be very different than a good life to you, Anna. So um, so that's why, you know, maybe a good life to me is living off 50000 a year and I can get by and live exactly the lifestyle I want. That's okay. We can talk about money and that 50000 is enough and how we're going to do it and we can break that down and the same money principles apply that I put in the book for if 50000 is enough or if it's 500000 or if it's $5 million. The fundamentals are always the same. The conversation about money is the same. So it's not, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's not about more money. It's not about greed. It's not about all these negative things. It's just like, hey, how much money is enough to live the good life that you want? Like, what is a good life? And how much does it cost to live it? So that's really the starting place. And it, it's, it's just having that reflective time and some quiet time. And, and so Gary and I, I mean, we know how much is enough. We know, you know, the lifestyle, how much it costs to, to fund our life today, including the, the money we, we earmark. Um, you know, we save and invest 17% of our after-tax income. That's how much money we, we set aside and we invest that. So we know how much it costs to actually fund our current life. 
And for us, you know, we're not quite there yet. We're, we're still working to increase our income. We still want a lifestyle that's a little bit beyond what we can afford today. So we're working to increase our income. We certainly couldn't retire today because our assets aren't worth enough. Um, you know, we, if we retired today, our assets would put off, you know, a fraction of what we'd like to, to live on when we're retired. So what that tells us is we're not done working yet. <laughs> you know, it's, we're keep, you know, we're still going, but we're in all the practices we put in the book. You know, and then in the in the book, I you know, the, there's that work and answering those questions and and really thinking about you know some you know just different triggers about the conversation of money that we typically don't ask ourselves, and then I break it down into talking about like how much income is toward you know needs to go towards our household income and and how much you know is a good amount to earmark for savings and investing and how do we pay off debt if we have debt and how do we calculate that and how do we look at our little luxuries and our big luxuries and how do we live within our means and but without giving up you know it's not about um, living completely without it's just about being responsible and saying hey my good life is this and um uh, I'm going to spend some extra over here on spa treatments because that's in the budget and I'm going to ha have a smaller house and stuff because I'd rather spoil myself in these other areas and my house isn't important, is important. Or, you know, some other people me, Lila, I want the big house where all the family comes and, and stays and that's my thing and having all some of these little more, you know, these little other things on the side isn't important to me. So once we, you know, there's all the exercises I leave in the book to guide us through so that by the end, we can design our own good life. What does that look like? And we know how much it's going to cost. And then we I even talk about income, like what, what part is the income conversation and how do we increase our income and how does that fit within our budget? And, and really just to, it's the, you know, with the, the goal that it, at the end, like money's a fun conversation and it's sexy and it's like juicy and it's like just not a big deal. Like, and to leave the reader with like, oh, you know what? I can do that. And this, this, this could be fun. So that's just it. I just want to make money a fun conversation. Like, you know, Sex used to be a, a topic that we didn't talk about. You know, there was stigma there, especially as women. But, hell, we'll talk about that any day of the week. But God forbid if we talk about money. So, you know, it's the same thing. I okay. think money can be a sexy, juicy conversation, too. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, and again, like the, the fear around money, like you said, you know, what's enough for us? What are, um, you know, are there ways to, like, you know, we say sometimes it's, we have a mental block against earning money um, that we're not receiving the true potential of our our the our potential wealth um, through obstacles that we put in our own paths. Have you uh, you know coached anyone around that, or have you seen that as an obstacle? Absolutely, determining our value and feeling and like believing our value is huge. So that's that's an enormous part of the equation. And I actually do mention that in the book, um, but especially as women. So women, as opposed to men, men will go in and ask for a raise. Men will go in and ask for the the new assignment or the promotion, even though that they might not be qualified for it. Women, on the other hand, what we do is is we work hard and we wait for others to, to tell us how valuable we are and for them to come to us and give us a raise and tell us how awesome we are and that we deserve it. And and we we think, you know, if we just work really hard and, and do what we do that 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 our incomes will go up or or if you know, if we just put it out there, people will just open their checkbook to us. And Again, I think, you know, money is just not in the background for us as women as far as value and how to ask for money and, and know the, the, you know, how to charge for value and worth and, you know, how to quantify that. It's just, you know, it's not been, you know, all that long that, you know, women have even been allowed to vote, let alone allowed to, to earn money and, and have conversations with that and know their value. This has been, you know, that's been a conversation for men for, for centuries and not women. So, that's a big part of the conversation that I certainly want to open up and talk about. We as women, we're going to have to get better at, at believing our value and, and, and knowing what, uh, what our worth is in the marketplace and be good, you know, confident about asking for it. But again, I think if we, uh, our, our lack of confidence around money and value keeps us from going for it. Um, another statistic that 55% of women grade themselves a C or below in financial literacy. 55% of men grade themselves B or higher. So, you, you know, and I, 
you think about that, you know, just we don't have the confidence. So that's what I want. I just like money's money's really not that complicated. Uh, there's just the fundamentals, and if we learn a few things and have conversations and get over our issues about money, the value conversation will be much easier too. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's that's an excellent excellent point. With um, when you think about okay, we want to have enough money saved for our retirement, Christina. How do we um, you know? Like, how, is there a calculation? Is there a way we figure out? Like with our lifespan, like how much we put away, if our paycheck is is a certain amount, like ten percent for tithe tithing, you know, how much do we bank and how much do we use to spend? I mean, is there a, a strategy around that as well? Well, I I have I certainly have my own numbers and I put those in the book, but uh, you know the 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 numbers that that I organize around are 40% for what I call um, household expenses, and I break them down in planned and unplanned expenses in the book and talk a lot about that. But it's it's so 40% to run your household, and that's that's covering the what I call survival, to what it costs what it costs to put a roof over your head, transportation, healthcare. Food, groceries, electricity, uh, your tithing, you know, whatever you, like anything that's household related is in 40%. Now, here's the problem. Lenders will loan up to about 44 to 46% today just for a mortgage loan alone. So when people are going to a lender and a lender says, hey, you can afford this amount of house, they're going to, they're, the lenders will loan up to 46% of income in some cases, but 40 to 46 and people will max out thinking they can afford it. What I'm saying is all of your household expenses shouldn't exceed 40. So this is another thing that if, since we're not having the money conversation, we're getting ourselves in situations unaware that if our if our just our household expense is that high, there's no way we can save and invest. There just isn't enough money after taxes and everything else. So I say around 40% for your household, um, 40 to 45. Just depending on tithing and um, what you what you just save for rainy day expenses, and then um, between 15 and 17 percent for for uh, savings and investing. So 15 um, percent is really the 15 percent of after-tax income, and you put that aside. So that means you're not living off that money. You're investing it. You're and I talk I don't talk much about investments. I'll, you know that's where I'm, I'll go next is where you put that 15 percent, mm-hmm. but but that's a good rule of thumb. And if you have debt, then you have your 40% for your, your, your household expenses. You're, you're going to probably not be saving and investing all that much. You're going to be using that to pay off your debt. But the key is, is you have to pay off debt. The goal is to be debt-free from, from consumer debt, credit card debt, student loan debt, um, just these other debts. Business debt, you know, is different. That is, you know, money used to create more money is different than consumer debt. But debt payoff needs to be there, um, and then um, I say I say allocate about five percent for what I call little luxuries, for just the the manicure, the manis and pedis, and just the miscellaneous stuff that make life good. Because we can't, you know, we we you know it's it's important to indulge a little bit. It's important to spoil ourselves. It's not just um, living paycheck to paycheck, but putting a little room in there for ourselves because it is important. Um, so it's you know it's forty percent, fifteen percent, about five percent for little luxuries, and then paying off any debt that we have, are, are the numbers that 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 um, that we use. You know, thank you for putting in that little luxury of self care. Um, yeah, you know because that's important, and we don't often allow ourselves that that self care. And I think it's really important. I always think of my aunt who on every Tuesday at 2 o'clock had a massage and no one dare interrupt her during that mm-hmm. time, right? It's just the honoring to ourselves um, for that self-care, which is so crucially important to the overall, overall well-being of ourselves, our health, our wealth, right? And, and I think that's really significant. So, Christina, I know we're running out of time and I love talking with you and can talk with you all day and I honor your time and I thank you so much for being here. Tell our listeners where again they can get your book and also connect with you and uh, your news on uh, wealth and finances as well. 
That's the yeah. good life. I love your brand, the good life. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. It's living a good life, and and health is, is you know being healthy. You can't live a good life without having your health. And again, to me, wealth is is a, a big part of of health too. So, uh, yeah, the easiest way to get the book, I would invite you to, to take advantage of the free chapter that you have offered, Anna. And if you just can't wait and want the whole thing, then you can find it on Amazon. It's called Falling for Money. And I would love to know what you think. And if you want to learn about more more about me, you can find me at Christina.com. That's a K and two S's. And um, that's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Christina. And thank you to all our Couch Talk listeners. This is Dr. Anna Kabeca wishing you all a wonderful day and a wonderful, you know, really just to focus on yourself. And this message from our call today um, a wealthy and wise message from Christina Wise is that to have financial health, um, we really need to address our own personal value of wealth and that each and every one of you has tremendous value and you are absolutely worth it. So taking time for yourself to do the best for yourself, to care about yourself and to be financially grounded and sane and all that this entails. So I want to thank all of our listeners, especially thank a big thank you to Christina Wise, who has shared so much with us today and, and is really, truly an inspiration. I look forward to keeping up with you, to your newsletters, to reading your book in, in depth, and to continuing our collaboration, friendship, and professional relationship. So love you very much, Christina, and I love all our listeners. to be here. Yes, and everyone has so much value to offer the world. So um, now we just make sure we get compensated for it. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Awesome. All right, girl. All right, bye-bye. Have a great night. Bye-bye. You too.